God calls Jonah to an unprecedented mission. He called him to leave Israel. This, no other prophet at this time had ever been asked to leave Israel. To leave Israel, go to a Gentile city, and the Gentile city he was to go to was Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. The Assyrians were a ruthless, violent, cruel people. They were enemies of Israel. And so God calls Jonah to go on this mission. Well, Jonah doesn't want to go. And so he starts running from God. He flees from God. He goes the opposite direction from what God told him to do. He goes down to Joppa, which was the main seaport on the coast of Israel. He goes there. He boards a ship, and he heads out for what he thinks is as far away from God as I possibly can get. Well, that didn't work out too well for him. Because while they were out at sea, God sent a big storm. I mean, it was a big storm. The ship was about to break up. The sailors were scared to death. And so the sailors get together and they said, we've got to cast lots and determine who brought this calamity on us. And you remember what happens, they cast lots, lot falls on Jonah. And then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and that raging sea became calm. The raging sea became calm. Now we're going to pick up at that point, starting at verse 17 of chapter 1 to the end of the chapter. This is God's word. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I have been banished from your sight, and yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and had vomited Jonah onto dry land. Well, here it is. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, it is amazing when you start thinking about this. It's amazing how God uses different means to bring his grace on us. In Jonah's case, it's a big fish. Now, let me say some, let me talk about that a minute. First of all, this was no ordinary fish, all right? This was, this, you're not going to go down in the depths of the ocean and find this fish. Uh, there, there's a key phrase in that verse, and you're going to find it several times in the book of Jonah, and it's this, the Hebrew words, but the Lord provided or appointed 
a great fish. In other words, this was a special means that God had created to get Jonah's attention. And when you go on over in the book, you're going to find he does some other things. He appoints a plant, and that's no ordinary plant. Grows up Jack and the Beanstalk style. Then he appoints a worm. And then he appoints a scorching east wind. And in all of those, here's the point, all those cases, those were sovereignly designed, divinely designed instruments to get Jonah's attention. To get Jonah's attention. And I'll tell you, when they went, when he went through those things, they were painful at the time, but they had a huge impact on Jonah's life. The fish actually saved his life. He was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, last week I told you that when Brian preaches or any of us preach, particularly out of Old Testament passages, constantly we're asking ourselves some questions because throughout, through, throughout the Scripture, there is, a, there is a scarlet thread, there's a central storyline that runs all the way from Genesis to the book of Revelation, and we talk about redemptive historical perspective. And what we mean by that is where do we see redemption in the past? What is that scarlet thread? What is the, what is the central What's the central storyline, if you will, to all of the Bible? And here's what it is. It is the story of God redeeming a sinful people to himself through his son, through the mission of his son. That's the storyline. You find it all the way through Genesis. You find it all the way through. So when we come to passages like this, we ask the question, well, where's redemption? Or where's the gospel? Or more precisely, where's Jesus in the passage? So we're always looking at that. Well, in this case, it's one of those that it's, it's a no-brainer. And it's a no-brainer because Jesus actually talks about Jonah in light of himself. So his, this is what Jesus said. He said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, what's happening in, when he's talking about this is the scribes and the Pharisees had come to him, and they were demanding a sign. They said, Jesus, uh, we're not going to believe your teaching, all those claims you've got about yourself. We want to see a sign. Show us a miracle. Do a miracle here for us. And Jesus went on to say, he called them a sinful and adulterous generation. That's what he said about them. He said, those are the people who look for a sign. He said, you're not going to get any other sign but the sign, Matthew, 13, Matthew 12, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. So what was he talking about was the sign. Here's a hint on the last hymn we just sang, okay? What was the sign? It was when Jesus victoriously came out of the grave. That was the sign. Just as Jonah would be swallowed up into the belly of a fish, the Son of Man was going to be swallowed up, if you will, into the belly of the earth, into the grave. He died. He was buried. But three days later, victoriously, he comes out of the grave. And Jesus said, that is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he said this, 
There are no other signs. You don't need another sign. And let me say that to you today. We don't need other signs. We've got that one. You know, we've, we worship on Sundays. You know why we worship on Sundays? It's the day of resurrection. There's a sense in which every Sunday we're confronted with that great sign. We're reminded that Jesus rose from the dead. He came out of the grave. He was victorious over it. And so we gather as God's people on the first day of the week to celebrate that. That's the sign, and we don't need anything else. That's what he said to them. Now, let's come back to Jonah for a minute. God uses many different means to bring his saving grace upon us. Sometimes he uses other people, right, in your life. Perhaps there were other people in your life. Sometimes he uses trials and difficulties, circumstances that come along. Sometimes it's a sermon or a Bible study or your personal time in the Word. In my case, it was an insurance salesman who took time to call on me and start talking to me about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God used that man in my life as a means to bring his saving grace upon In Jonah's case, a fish. Here's the point. God will provide whatever means it takes to bring us to his saving grace, which is found in Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something. Jonah wasn't there yet. Now from inside the belly of the fish, Jonah cries out to the Lord. See, the Lord was going to have to take him on down, literally. <laughs> he, was still in, he was still running. He's still in rebellion. So God's got to deal with him. So now from the belly of the fish, Jonah cries out and he said, God, you hurled me into the deep. Now look at the first word. You, God, did this. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas and the current swirl. You know what Jonah was saying? God, I realize now you're doing business with me. This wasn't some accident. This wasn't because Jonah volunteered. He now comes to grips with the fact that this is God's doing. It is God's work in his life. And you know what? God had to let Jonah hit rock bottom before he came to his senses. It was only at that point that he experienced what I call the severe mercy of God. And sometimes God's mercy comes in a severe way to get our attention. And so what does Jonah pray? In my distress, I call to the Lord and he answered me from the depths of the grave. I call for help, and you listen to my cry. I don't know about you, but I get it. I get it. I look back over my life, and there have been times in my life when I thought I knew better than God. There have been times in my life when I failed to trust God like I should. There have been times in my life I've been disobedient. You know, Jonah had a huge problem, and the problem was pride. And so do many of us. Now, I hate to say this. Some of the most proud people I've ever seen in my life are preachers. You know, we start believing all those nice things you say about us. I had been in ministry a number of years and from just outside 
it was a very successful ministry. And I was real proud of it. But I want to tell you, God systematically chopped me down over a period of years. There were a series of things in my life that brought me to my knees. And here's the point. He loves you too much to let you stay there. You know what? If he didn't love you, he'd just let you go do whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you something. He loves you too much for that. And so he's going to come after you. He's going to deal with you. And if it means hard dealings, I love my term, severe mercy, sometimes it's severe. He's going to do that. You know, you have to come to that point in your life where you finally give up and you surrender. And you say, okay, God, you won. By the way, he always wins. You haven't figured that out yet. See, Jonah continued in his rebellion. He continued in his hard-headedness. Uh, he was stiff-necked. I'll tell you this, the other thing. There is a great danger for those of us who come up in the church to develop religious pride and to be steeped in our traditions so much that we lose sight of God. We have to be careful about that. Let me turn that around. I'll come back to this in two weeks when I'm going to talk about Jonah's self-righteousness. That's really what I'm talking about. Sometimes when we think we're better than other people because we go to church or we're Presbyterians, we belong to First Press. I'm going to tell you, when the gospel comes to you, the gospel comes to bear upon your life. And what it did for me, it was the most freeing thing in my life to finally say, you know what, I can be honest and vulnerable and say, my, I've, I've made a mess of my life at times. I've made bad mistakes in my life. It's freeing when you can come to that point. Well, we have to see God dealing with Jonah on that further. But here's, here's the point. You may have to hit rock bottom, but I promise you this. Even if you do, he will deliver you and restore you because he loves you so much. Well, let's go to Jonah. Talk about rock bottom. <laughs> Can you picture him here? He got seaweed all over his head and, <laughs> and he's engulfing waters all around him and you know, he's just in a mess, isn't he? And there he is, and this is what he said. He finally got to that point, and he said, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose up to you, to your holy temple. Jonah had to hit rock bottom before he regained his perspective. And there, in the belly of the fish, in the bottom of the sea, Jonah remembered the Lord. I say it again, why do we allow so much pain to come into our lives before we reach out to him? You know, it's interesting here, though I've got to show you one other thing about this prayer because it's very easy 
to miss in Jonah's prayer what I think is the central piece to understand, to unlocking what's going on really in Jonah's life. And here's where it's found. Twice Jonah mentions the temple of God. Did you notice that? In verse 4 and in verse 7, two times in his prayer, he mentions the temple of God. Look at what he says. He says, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Now, let me tell you what Jonah was feeling. And I guarantee you there's some of you sitting here this morning, and, and you don't want to say it, but you feel this way, that you're far away from God. You almost feel that you've been abandoned by him. You feel like you've been banished by him. And you start looking at the failures of your life and you, you say, no wonder I feel banished from him. Because look at these things I've done in my life. But I want to tell you something. When you feel those times in your life there is always hope because look at what he said. I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. Let me tell you something. There is hope because it's only a prayer away. It's only a prayer away. You see what's happening to Jonah here? God's really dealing with him. So let me ask this question. Why God's temple? Why does his mind... Now he's, the man's in the belly of a fish in the bottom of the sea, and why does he start thinking about the temple of the Lord? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because he knew what was in the temple. Do you remember what was in the temple? In the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God, and on top of that ark was the mercy seat. Do you remember that? The mercy seat. The mercy seat was where once a year the high priest came in with the blood from a sacrificial animal and he goes into the Holy of Holies and he takes that blood and he sprinkles it where? On the mercy seat. And there, sin was dealt with. If you were here last week, I talked about propitiation. That's where propitiation took place. When the blood was there upon the mercy seat, the sacrifice had been made. And there at the mercy seat comes the mercy of God that grants forgiveness for our sins. I've been banished from your sight and yet I look toward the holy temple. Fast forward. There's no more temple. We're the temple. There's no more Ark of the Covenant. Long gone. But I'm going to tell you what we do have. We have the cross. We have the cross of Jesus. And there on the cross, the perfect sacrifice was made. The blood of Jesus. And there on the cross, sin was dealt with. There on the cross, propitiation was made. And there on the cross, 
the sinless Son of God, bore, as we saw last week, God's wrath and paid the price so that we could be set free. You see, Jonah understood something that there's still an awful lot of people don't understand. Jonah came to the place in his life when he understood that he was hopeless and helpless and there was no way that he could save himself. And it was at that point when he came to grips with his own sin and he looked to the means that God had provided for that sin to be dealt with When he gets to that point, he realizes this, salvation comes from the Lord. That's why he ended the prayer like this. But I with song of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Look, salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah knew there was no way for him to save himself. And yet do you see this beautiful picture of salvation that's here? He knew that the only way that salvation was possible was through the grace and mercy of the God of this universe who granted it and who provided the means to make it possible. Now here's what I'm saying to you this morning. When we remember what God has done for us through his son, the shedding of his precious blood on our behalf, we're going to find the mercy seat. We're going to see God's mercy at work in us. When we look to the mercy seat, when we look to the cross, we find forgiveness and restoration and hope that will never disappoint. We may have to hit rock bottom first. I hope not, but we may. But at some point, we come to that place in our lives where God gets our attention and where all we can do is to look at Christ and to see he is our hope. He is God's mercy. He is the only means by which we can be saved. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And I'm telling you, when you come to the mercy seat, it's a place of sweetness It's a place of calmness. It's a place of relief. We're going to sing one of the great hymns. Hugh Stowell wrote this, and he's writing about the mercy seat, and this is what he says. From every stormy wind that blows, from every swelling tide of woes, there is a calm or sure retreat, tis found beneath the mercy seat. Ah, whither could we flee for aid when tempted, desolate, dismayed? Or how the host of hell defeat had suffering saints no mercy seat? Let me ask you this morning, are you still trying to run from God? Have you been away from him? You think you know better than he knows? Have you questioned his love for you? Has pride gotten a hold of your life? I'm going to tell you something. It's not too late. 
because there's the mercy seat. Remember God's love and grace and look to the mercy seat, to Jesus, and you'll find a calm, a sure retreat. Don't have to hit rock bottom. Come to him and he will give you his rest. Let's pray here. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for Jonah. Every time I read through this book, I see me written all over Jonah. And I realize my own rebellion at times, my own pride and self-righteousness and thinking I know better than you know God or thinking you don't have my best interest in mind or failing to trust you. But then thank you for those sweet times of remembrance when I remember you and I look to the mercy seat and find forgiveness and love that goes beyond anything we can imagine. So Lord, Lord this morning I pray for all who are going to hear this message. I pray that if there are those who've been running from you, they'll come on home. For those who've been filled with pride, that they'd humble themselves under your mighty hand. And I pray that we would flee to the mercy seat and we find your great relief and comfort there. We thank you as we make this prayer in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.